first story deals with a subculture of heavy metal music that some feel is sending a dangerous message to your kids. The forces of evil on the dark side of devil right. And I want to talk tonight about the devil and demons and witches and wizards. And we just mix it up with hardcore and aggression and come out with something that we think is an original sound. Loud, fast, heavy, you know. Well, what do you got? What do you got? You're listening to Riff Worship, a podcast where two longtime friends attempt to answer the question, what makes a riff? Anyone can write a riff, but what makes a good riff, Dylan? Attitude, um, feel, yeah. which is a hard thing to quantify, yeah. um, and, and overall, you know, just a mindset. Um, yeah. I mean, one of the songs we're talking about today in particular, like, out of the two we are discussing really like just pinpoints what a riff is and how you should, how you can not necessarily should write a song around a riff. Um, You know, it's for everybody to kind of kind of debate and figure out what they think is a riff. Um, I know I I feel like it should be attitude, um, feel um, and personality. That would be the big one. You introduced me to these two bands. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen one of them live. We'll get to that later. But yep. uh, this band in particular, we we actually covered the riff from this, the intro of this song. The, the opening, the opening part. Yeah, everything dies by typo yep. negative. Um, this is a bleak song. Uh, <laughs> this is a bleak, bleak album. <laughs> bleak song on a bleak album uh, from a band that is known for writing bleak things, but. Uh, if if there were an album to to be the most depressive thing this band has ever written, it's this album, which is uh, a feat in itself. <laughs> you know, I think I I think I li- first listened to the previous album, October Rust, October, Rust, and then okay. got to this after you know, obviously, uh, just to kind of do a dive on their whole yeah. discography. But uh, I was familiar with Carnivore before I met you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was like kind of one of those things that you know having a shared knowledge about or shared love for that right. we kind of connected on but i i had not even ventured into the uh the world of typo negative the very dark and depressing world of typo and pete Steele. so i remember driving to covington kentucky to see a show around halloween one year uh i believe we went and saw that's that cattle decapitation revocation full of hell yeah. and uh, artificial brain tour. Yeah. We drove up and we listened, I believe to the full catalog on the way up there, maybe minus uh dead again, because it wasn't streaming so. at that point. And, and I, I just like, we put it consistently on every single album, one after the other, we drove through and uh, listened to it. And, you know, there's, that's a lot of music to take in because all of their albums in particular, I think hit the 70 minute mark, uh, at the yeah. very least. This one and for sure. This is no, this is no short album. Uh, I mean, the, I believe the single version of this track is, I'm sure edited down to about four or five minutes where mm-hmm. I believe the actual track itself is eight or nine. Uh, I believe, uh, yeah, I think that's correct. It's um, it's this which is funny because it is the the a single like it's the, the standalone record. single off that record. I think uh, there may be one more. There's um, everyone I love is dead. That's that's right. But 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 this one for it to be, I, I was listening to uh, 
I was kind of revisiting some of the old interviews mm-hmm. and they did the Roadrunner organized one maybe a couple of years ago when they were putting out some of the box set stuff. Oh, those had, are uh, great. Uh, the I guys think, with uh, Code Orange. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I thought he was like talking. He's like, <laughs> yeah, I really thought uh, <laughs> Be My Drudas was going to be a big hit or whatever. <laughs> He's just like totally dogging it. There's, um, there's such a, a like a humor to this band. Even the album starts out with like a kind of another one of those like CD scratches. Oh, that's right. Kind of thing, which I loved off of October Rust. The on this one, it's um, it's a CD skip, whereas on October Rust, it's like uh, it's like a low Buzzfeed kind of thing. Yeah, it wasn't grounded. Properly yeah, it wasn't or grounded. Something. This. So what's funny is on the CD version, which I own, it sounded like a CD skipping. On the vinyl, I believe. If I remember right, it's been a while since I've listened to it. it sounds like a record scratching, like like the the needle falling off or something. Because you have like the the reissued stuff, yeah. right? Yeah, I got the box set. That's really cool that they would um, just like figure that an, out. Another point from that interview because it was broken up into like five or six parts or whatever it was. It was some sort of live stream, but they. I think the funniest thing was when they started actually pulling the vinyl out. They're like, oh, they got the green right. That was the funniest thing of the whole thing. They're like, for 30 years, we've been trying to get the green right. Peter was never happy because the green was always off. And they go, well, it's funny. They finally got it right. The green man. Uh, so this is their fifth album. Uh, yeah, like you mentioned, oh, man, I, I it saw is. it was considered to be their darkest. Again, a crazy uh, thing to even try to gauge uh, with this band. Uh, I read it was written after a series of uh, deaths uh, in Pete's family, which is yeah. obviously very prevalent in the themes of this song. Uh, and even the the music video, which I, I definitely, <laughs> there's a couple of music videos in like this one and the, the next song we'll talk about. I think these I can't are- wait to touch on this video more because this is it, it's what I saw it and I go, this is the bleakest, most humorous thing I've ever seen. It is. It is both <laughs> depressing and goofy at the same time. And I don't know if it's because of the 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 tech that was available to them. You know, in oh, nineteen ninety nine, the filters on some of those scenes are wonderful. It's very yeah. Spider Man one, Tobey Maguire. Oh, I love it. There's the <laughs> scene where he's in like a bathtub full of blood. It just uh, looks like wine. Yeah, it's so funny. Uh, you know, it, it it changes to cuts from, you know, the band playing outside to settings like that. And then uh, there's another uh, scene where he's uh, at a, you know, family dinner table and people are just yeah. kind of fading away. And, uh, you know, I know his father had passed away maybe a few years before this record came out. Uh, they actually filmed some of the video at a at a shipyard that he used to work at too. Odd uh, shipyard. Um, but yeah, just the man. I you know I guess it's it's awful to kind of reconcile with, and you know it's it's uh, no one really wants to come to the realization that you know we're all just kind yeah. of here for a very brief amount of time. I guess you're able to, if you're able to channel it through something creative and express yourself in this way, you know, I, obviously people really love this record, uh, myself included, but yeah, just an awful series of events that kind of led to, to the writing of this record. I mean, this, I've read, I've read the soul on fire book. Um, I've read multiple things, uh, throughout the last, I guess, decade. 
Uh, there's been a lot more that's came to light about this band. You can read more into them. You can learn a little more. When I got into this band, uh, it was kind of unknown. Like you didn't know a whole lot about it. You didn't know what was going on. I mean, this was in 05, 06 when I got into this band. Um, out of the, I guess the Roadrunner Records catalog that they've got, this was the, this may have been the last one I got into. Uh, I heard, I heard um, Black Number One obviously first uh, and then picked up the record off of that. Uh, October rust came next because I heard the single off of that album. Uh, Then I went to, I found a copy of life is killing me, which was the last release on roadrunner records, which has, I don't want to be me. Is that like a comp? What is that? Or no, no. um, What's the comp in between that least of the worst. Yeah. It's got a green cover. It's a Ferris wheel or something on the the cover of it. Okay. Um, But this is probably, in my opinion, and this is just my meat-headed opinion, this is the last good typo record on Roadrunner. Um, okay. I think Life is Killing Me is kind of a mixed bag of nuts. There's a couple things on there that are really cool, but there's some stuff on there that's like, uh, you know, come on, guys. What's uh, what's Dead Again on? Dead Again came out on Napalm. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, Steam Hammer or some small label at the time that they signed to. Uh, and then luckily, like within the last year or so, Nuclear Blast has gotten a lot of those and been able to repress it. Dead you again were waiting is, so long for that. Oh, man. For I, six years, seven years, I, were, I knew it was going to be pressed. You were just like, it's a moment in time. And when it happens, I'm getting yep. that checkbook out. Um, it is. That's that's hands down my favorite typo record I've ever heard. It was my gateway into the band. I had heard Bloody Kisses before, had the record, but. It caught on. It took a little bit longer to get into that, uh, probably due to some of the subject matter and some of the lush recordings, whereas Dead Again sounds like Black Sabbath with a little bit of hardcore kicked into it, right? Yep. Uh, but uh, I digress. Um, the World Coming Down album, which is what Everything Dies is on, uh, is a slab of some of the most depressing and some of the most introspective lyrics I think he's I think Pete had up at that point. Uh, Everything Dies, the track itself, is a very um, good representation of that. Uh, I mean, between that and, you know, uh, a couple other of the tracks on that album, I mean, you and I have always, like, kind of leaned towards this track in uh, Pyretta Blaze, uh, which is about, um, I believe, a fascination with fire and being able to be turned on by fire, whatever it is. You know, uh, some dude from Brooklyn wrote this. Um, (laughs) But that, that's one thing I wanted to bring up is when I first heard this song, YouTube had just like popped up. I saw the video. It's like, man, this does not sound like Dead Again. And this doesn't even really sound like Bloody Kisses. Uh, but that's a real like the bass kind of drives the song. And it's this very lush, very melodic kind of bass line throughout the whole song. Mm-hmm. And he if you listen to it and you really hone in on it, it, he does something really cool, which is he basically plays every register of the bass throughout the uh the whole song there's a point where i believe he even hits the the highest fret on whatever instrument he's got because of how it you know just it kind of ends this line it's this very melodic kind of um beatles-esque line yeah they did mention um i think just researching a little bit from the record because they they did a medley of beatles tracks that See, I couldn't remember more. if that was on this I album think, or Life is Killing Me. I think, I think it is it's this, this one. 
And, you know, it cost them like $75,000 just to do this, this medley. Um, you know, it's the day tripper medley, which I guess the, the label Roadrunner was like definitely not willing at first to front the bill for something like that. It's like, guys, this is the, it's the Beatles. You can't just, (laughs) it's going to cost you. I think they did end up kind of talking them into it, but it's just, yeah, it is a, they do some good covers, man. Yeah, they've done some great covers throughout the years. Um, I mean, to not move too far from this record on sure. the Life is Killing Me record, they did a cover of uh, a song from a musical called Hedwig and the, uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Um, and this is that song is called that, or that song uh, is called The Angry Inch and it's on uh, the next record. Um, I won't really divulge into the subject matter of that track because I myself am not familiar enough with it. Um, I'm sure there was a reason it was covered. Uh, but this album, I mean, just look at the track list here. Um, White Slavery, Everyone I Love is Dead, Who Will Save the Sane, which is a really cool melodic song. World Coming Down, Creepy yep. Green Light, Everything Dies, Pirate of Lace, All, All Hallows Eve. I know this band always gets kind of tagged with like, hey, October, November, uh, September, those months, the fall months, but the All Hallows Eve is, is close to like a good Halloween, like themed heavy song is like the Misfits Halloween. You know, maybe yeah. it's not as up tempo, but it's, it definitely yeah, it's like eight gets the semblance of, oh man, that's uh, just dirge. Um, um, the, yeah, some other themes you, you mentioned, like white slavery is like a song about you know yeah. cocaine uh, to yep. to bring up another episode that we talked about um in the in the sabbath episode uh but yeah a lot of uh themes of you know death and grief and yep. uh substance abuse and kind of dealing with that um you know there's a lot going on here there's a lot of like very the... personal uh oh, turmoil and struggle uh that is being expressed on this record for sure so the you brought up you know white slavery that that's obviously you know a big tie in to uh, drug abuse but there's these segue tracks on this album and I believe there are three of them so if I remember correctly the reason those segue tracks are what they are and they're titled the way they are is all three of them are supposed to represent a way each band member could die so you've got yes. one called sinus you've got one called liver and you've got one called lung. And they are very, they're depictions of, you know, multiple members or one member here, they're dying. Uh, it's, if I remember correctly, when the album came out, uh, Peter Steele heard the final mix of it, whatever it was. Maybe he got a, he got the first copy. He heard the, the track Sinus and almost had an anxiety attack because the heart rate that paces up at the end of it was so close to what his was at that point. That's crazy. Um, it's, it's, it's insane. This is a, for a band, as we've said before, that is known for its dark and drab, that's kind of the word for its drab humor. This is the, this is the darkest this band got. And that's not to like, obviously this band always gets kind of overshadowed by its enigmatic front man's personal life and, and all of that. Um, but this is a very introspective album and the song as a single, the song Everything Dies is, Almost a joke in its own right. Like they almost were like, "Yeah, that's the single. Put it out." Like, I love it. Him, 
just seeing him in that bathtub, seeing him get the dirt getting dumped all over him in the music video. I mean, I love he's, he's a foot taller than everyone. The uh, the lyrics when I'm like listening to it and, uh, you know, the, had repeated listens before doing this uh, episode. Uncle Lou. Uh, my Uncle Lou. <laughs> that is the died. most Brooklyn sounding thing I've ever heard. And then just, just that cut thick it. Thick accent. And he died. <laughs> just. Uh, yeah. It's. I love it. I, it's a great band. You know, um, as a kid. I never thought I would like listen to something like that. Cause you know, when you first get into aggressive music, it's like, it's gotta be as hard hitting and straightforward as possible. Right. So those early Metallica records are fantastic, right? Just boom, bang, you're, you're done. But then learning what, learning that the black Sabbath riff by black Sabbath is heavy for more reasons than it just being like heavy is great because it opened up a whole world of like oh it doesn't just have to be fast it can be slow and like this wonderful thing and it have these clean vocals on it uh i mean you mentioned carnivore earlier and i think there's a lot of reasons that peter still has said in interviews throughout the years as to why he wanted to um start playing music like this as opposed to carnivore uh i kind of surmised it as he wanted to see more of as he put it more chicks at the shows <laughs> um and i read an interview years ago in uh, metal hammer about um the bloody kisses record and they did like this metal hammer did this like most satanic albums of all time issue and of course like i picked that up uh and they were talking about bloody kisses in it and he mentioned like yeah motorhead manowar megadeth all those bands are great but we want to do this. Like there's nothing wrong with those bands, but we want to do something like this. And I believe if we really want to get in the woods here, I believe this is the album after the playboy or the playgirl spread. Oh man. Yeah. Full, this is that. fully erect dong. Yeah. Yeah. That is, uh, you know, breaking new ground in so many ways. Uh, All both sonically. Eight and a half feet. <laughs> yeah. What was he? He like made a point. You know, he like got Hugh in and just like, I'll do it, Hugh, but you got to let me, uh, you, you got to let, let me get me torqued up. Yeah. You got to let me pose erect. And they're like, no one's ever done that. He goes, Hey, listen, you hold up your end of the bargain. I'll hold up mine. <laughs> What's the, um, there's an, in that story, uh, where he's, uh, like work lifting weights in the back of the bus <laughs> <laughs> with the door open. That's in the, the book. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I guess they were in tour. They toured with Pantera from like 96 into like the whole year of like 97, basically. Yeah. And I guess madness will ensue at a certain point. And you just kind of get like tunnel vision. You got to do something to like pop everybody. Right. So I guess he would just lift weights in the back of the bus because that was his room. He was such a large man in many ways. Um, but he would raise the blinds on the back blast in the bus. And apparently he would just exercise in his underwear or underwear with the just a huge erection uh in front of everybody <laughs> like it was nothing just to get a rise out of out of everybody the antics of this you could probably find a ton of compilation videos mm -hmm. online uh or even like through the uh, watching like the pantera home videos and stuff like that uh there's the part where they're you know what he's like using a broom oh, on man. stage and you know kind of like brushing his teeth yeah. with it or something uh 
Yeah, like Phil lays in front of it, and he's like pushing the 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 big big janitorial broom. Um, All too familiar with those things. It is a it is a fun. Yeah, you're you're a hero. You're a <laughs> you're a you're a vet veteran of the custodial arts. The uh, you know it, it's imp- I think it's important to note the you know uh, the the lightheartedness and the sense of humor. While this is a very dark album yes they are just such a i don't know out of those four guys there there really was like just a such a fun uh aspect of being in this group or at least you know as an outsider you know obviously i'm not there i can't speak right you know they're obviously dealing with a lot of stuff outside of the band personally but you know there's just so much there's just they just love to have a good time whether it you know their own expense or someone else's they're just such a fun band so now you mentioned that, and I wanted to touch on a couple more things. On uh, one, obviously, I think we've surmised that when we talk about certain songs from albums we love, we end up talking about the album as a whole. Um, but if I remember correctly, and I may be off by a day, let me take a look here. Oh, I yeah. believe either yesterday or today is the anniversary of his death. Yeah, it it did come up on my feed the other day. So yeah, at the time uh, of recording this, yeah, yeah, we're probably just a few days uh, after uh, the anniversary of his passing. And it's, yep, uh, thirteen years, I believe. Um, it's touching on this band's legacy. I know the world of hardcore, in particular, took to this band hard around six, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I. I square I put that squarely on the shoulders of uh, Twitching Tongues for that. Yeah. I think that band helped open up uh a lot of people's eyes, especially more youthful kids into hardcore uh into this band and the next band we're going to talk about. But uh I mean oh what was it? Twitching Tongues covered Gravitational Constant um which is wild. I mean, that's an 8-minute song and it just a hardcore band covered it. I mean, I I don't want to segue too much from from typo, but twitching tongues. Every every single thing that band's done kind of owes to the the typo negative legacy, the Peter Still legacy. Um, yeah, he. Um, I'd say Colin, just having listened to a lot of their show, yeah, just loves. You know, he seems like he's turned uh, a lot of other people onto it yep. for sure. Like whether just close people close to him, but uh, we saw them. I know you've probably seen them more. I, I saw them once. I saw I've only Twitching seen them once Tongues. As well. Um, at, it was the Code Orange show at the end mm-hmm. in Nashville. That was that was the tour cycle for uh, In Love There Is No Law. Um, Got it. I saw them the next day in Louisville. I'm going to get shit for uh, butchering the pronunciation of that word. Um, deal with it. The <laughs> the love. Um, I saw them the next day in Louisville. And it was a headlining show. And I'm sure they played the same set. And I can't remember the venue they played at, but it was a little tiny place, like a, a extremely punk rock venue. And like people were just losing their minds. I don't even remember who opened. I, it may have just been locals. I think yeah. it was mainly just a show for like type or for a, sorry, for twitching <laughs> tongues, just to kind of, you know, get home or anything like that. But as we know, that band has, that band is so closely tied to Louisville. It's not even funny. Like it's remarkable just from coming up through like coming up through the underground and touring as much as they did yeah. and getting all that. And the one thing I, I really want to bring up about all this is that 
it would be wild, obviously, if we still had the typo negative today. And for to see the kind of take on multiple things uh, as to what Pete would have, you know, the the kind of resurgence of popularity in his band, the kind of like everyone's ended up putting that band on a pedestal of sorts and kind of made them one of those like um, iconic bands of the sh- subgenre of whatever subgenre they fall in, which kind of falls into the doom aspect of it. Uh, yeah. So, uh, gothic doom whichever um and it's it would also be wild just to see you know the stuff you would have written the next stuff you would have written he's got some great like writing credits on stuff you wouldn't even know um i guess in 2004 2005 roadrunner did this weird compilation called the roadrunner united uh and basically they had four team captains uh and then those team captains would write a song with different uh, musicians that have worked with Roadrunner for years. Like, I believe one was Matt Heafy from Trivium, Joey Jordison was one, uh, Rob Flynn from Machine Head, and uh, Dino from uh, Fear Factory oh, sick. Okay. Uh, was one. So they all wrote these weird songs. Joey wrote a song that had Pete on it. And it, it, obviously very typo sound, like huge sounding. He made up a language and recorded <laughs> the language on that and it's the weirdest coolest thing like he, I'm he's not familiar very, with this i have to check uh, this out i'll have to forward that to you if i can i mean I, I think i'm pretty sure it's it's on whichever streaming uh app that people have at this point uh it's it's a fun listen it, it's nothing like um it's not like required listening but it's just a fun fun listen to hear that um man i wish i could remember the name of the track um, but it's really cool. It's got great production. It sounds good. It's well written. Um, Peter Still, uh, great songwriter. You know this this album has riffs, but this song has this song really has just that one riff. It's uh, just the one riff, and and then yeah, very the contrast between some something so driving and heavy, yeah, to like that kind of sparse like keyboard thing, which is another yeah. thing uh, we were oh, mentioning. Man. You know. Uh, what it what makes something heavy and i think this band really kind of uh tests the boundaries in what that definition really means you know i think it's kind of it it definitely ties into what what this show and and Mm -hmm. what we're kind of the questions we're kind of asking about you know what makes a good riff but sometimes it is just more like, like what what defines something as heavy is really kind of uh you know, it's not it's not an easy answer. Sure, like you no. could just have a the very straightforward. Well, it's distorted and it's loud and it's big. But you know, this one, I think, that it, as far as the song and the album is concerned, it's it has riffs, but it also is very uh, like thematically, like very heavy as yes. well. Um, this is I touched on this in one of the earlier episodes that we had, and this is this is a representation of a song that probably had the lyrics or the melody before the riff Mm -hmm. Um, because really that riff only comes up maybe three or four times kind of throughout. It's just a variation of it. Um, And it's kind of incorporated with this weird like droning chant that goes along that. Again, I don't believe those are actual lyrics. I think those are just kind of sounds he made that fit the, um, the overall tonality of the riff itself, which it's this great kind of like chromatic Sabbath kind of walk up. Um, but it fits, it helps the song resolve. And obviously the single version of this song is cut a little bit for, um, 
kind of mass consumption. Uh, but the actual track has a really cool keyboard part at the end, like a synth kind of sound to it that has this weird drone and like has a, again, another Sabbath style riff at the end of it. It kind of goes on longer and you always forget about that part because it's not part of the single. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we, we were in a band that covered this riff. Mm-hmm. Basically, you just took that snippet and opened a show uh, with it like a few times. Uh, the first time we did it, it was like kind of the first, this is how I was even introduced to the song was because you were like, Hey, we're going to do this for the show. Um, and I had to learn it. And, uh, I think I, I was working, I, I had a land surveying job for a little while and I was out on the road like quite a bit. And so I would have to take, you know, as one does, like you're in a hotel, but I would take my guitar with me and just kind of try right. to practice, uh, the riffs you had written. I, I was pretty new to the band, you know, I was just trying to, uh, you know, practice when I could. And so we were doing the song. I remember uh, racing home from like Alabama. I think we were out, we were out on the road somewhere. I think we'd been working in like Alabama and Tennessee and finally made it home on Friday night. We had a show uh, in, in Bowling Green where, where we live basically. Um, And uh, I remember getting in my car from the offices in the country, I think it was like he lives like my boss had an office in like Scottsville and dark as hell outside. I can't see anything. They were they were doing some work on the property and I didn't see that they had oh, put out this stones. Is that? Same show. Man. Yeah, they had put yep. out some stones to block a, a pipe and I didn't see it because I would like all match the gravel <laughs> in the dark. And I ran over this big block and it my car was stuck and was like leaking and I had no choice but to just leave my car in Scottsville. And, uh, you know, my boss, uh, you know, thankfully he was, he had, he had been, uh, he was like a session drummer for a really long time. And, you know, he kind of, he kind of got the thing. He let me borrow one of the work cars, one of the work vehicles to drive back into town and play the show. And, you know, That's- I remember it being probably one of our better shows, but we opened with that riff and I just remember feeling like so, anxious like am i even gonna make it yeah you know, i've been practicing the, this thing all week am i gonna am i gonna mess it up and yeah so we we were able to to make the show that night, I, I mean that's i i remember covering that i remember doing that track i believe that show might have been with another touring there was a another hardcore band that was either touring through there and just needed a show and i think that's the one we opened um that was kind of the thing with that band is um that band or typo and the band you and I were in typo and the next band we're talking about actually influenced a lot of the writing, uh, from that band. Um, maybe not as much as maybe not as much on paper, but if you really look down at it, uh, it was there. It was definitely there. Yeah. It's like taking influences and, and putting them through your yeah. own lens. You know what I mean? It's however you use it, whether structurally or if you're just taking riffs and, yeah. and, and doing it that way. But uh, yeah, I think this is, uh, you know, I appreciate that you should, you kind of brought me into this world, uh, of these two groups. And, uh, yeah, this is definitely stands out as a yeah. favorite of mine for I, sure. I kind of want to touch on carnivore for just a minute. Yeah. Um, for those that haven't, like, obviously we've done a deep dive. You know, carnivore is a crossover hardcore thrash band, you know, uh, obviously from Brooklyn, New York. Um, carnivore has had two really great records. Uh, definitely listen to those at your own risk. Um, you know, lyrically, um, man, if you're, if, uh, 
maybe you don't view things with um, a bleak sense of humor. It's gonna it's gonna go right over your head, or it's really gonna upset you. Yeah. Um, you know, it's for lack of a better word, it's a little intense. Uh, but still, you can listen to that and go. There's some very well written tracks there. Um, that that band helped segue to what Typo Negative were to become. Because uh, the very first Typo record are just uh, Carnivore yeah. riffs slowing down. That's it. Yep. The, yeah. It was viewed as a demo. Um, you know, uh, Peter Steele is far more influential than I think even we give him credit for. Because you really go back. Like I, I can't believe I didn't mention this. He wrote uh, lyrics for Agnostic Front. Yeah. Um, you know, he was prone to go to like CBGBs, all the hardcore shows. Right. Um, I mean, he's big. He's real tight with the Biohazard crew. Absolutely. Um, I wouldn't the, even doubt one of our favorites. Car? Uh, what was that? Uh, man, what was that thing v- called? Uh, I forget. Uh, but it, it was built like an old, it looked like something out of a trauma movie. Yeah, uh, for sure. The, the, I think the story you're alluding to is uh, Evan Seinfeld from Biohazard used to be Peter's base tech for a short amount of time. And there was a point where they were just driving down the street with that thing, like hanging out the window, like ripping people's doors off or, or just something <laughs> like that. Because, uh, I mean, what a, what a Brooklyn mess. was like ground zero. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, that's everything dies. Great track. If anybody needs kind of a gateway into maybe typo, like a soft gateway, this would be the track to do it. You know, before it gets a little more, uh, maybe a little more gothy with some of the earlier stuff. Uh, you know, I think you and I both love October Rust, but that yeah. is a very lush album mm-hmm. and it's very synthy. It's not as like on paper heavy as what some people would say, whereas this one is a lot heavier sonically um, as well as lyrically than probably the two records that preceded it. So this is a this is another one, another band, another song, uh, another video, really uh, the, the trifecta here. Uh, Man. this is you this was another band I got in through you and our good friend uh swindle i'd never this was just not something on my radar and when I first heard it when I first listened to to crowbar, it really changed a lot of it it changed a lot of what I thought about heavy music in a lot of yep. ways because this band this is like kurt is like kirk. Kirk is like the ultimate riff writer in general, uh, he, lyrically too, but yep. he's definitely known for being a riffman, you know, coming up with just some of the best uh, guitar driven music still to this day. I, I will, if I, I'll listen to a record, you know, you're, you know what you're getting when you get a crowbar record for sure. Right. Yep. They're not necessarily bad. There, there are some that are better, but they're, mm-hmm. none of them are necessarily bad. Uh it's just you know precisely what you're getting when you put on a crowbar I've, record. I've never been disappointed. Yep. I've never once been like, "Wow, this isn't it. What isn't exactly what I thought it would be?" Right. Um, not to say that they aren't challenging themselves themselves, uh, but I'm I'm usually pretty content when I throw on a crowbar record. Uh, this one, I don't exactly know how I found this. I know you showed me it. Probably we were sitting around in the living room. We put this music video on. Yeah. Um, but the riff always stuck with me. Um, the album itself, you know, it's, I personally, I think there are, there are better records in their discography, uh, maybe just the, the amount of songs that you could kind of go, you know, obviously the self-titled is pretty great. Um, the album that came before this, I mean, is 
Odd Falls Rest, from them. Um, even the one after it, Sonic Excess in the, its purest form, is that amazing. Is a heavy record. Yep. Um, but this is great. This is a good record. But yes, I, I love. I think this is one of my favorite tracks by Crowbar for sure. I feel the burning sun. Yeah, this is this track is the ultimate and best description of you have a good riff and you write the song around it. Yeah, because everything in this song, this three and a half minutes long. Uh, yeah, it's not. It's yeah. not. It's not like the crow, it, or, or it's not like the typo song. It's a for crow, sure. This is a crowbar length song. You know, they might hit five minutes, um, but this is the ultimate description of you wrote a song around the riff because every other part in the song is based off of that riff. It may sound slightly different, but if you go back to it, it's the same four notes that are in the riff, right. and it's all based off that. The parts repeat. They. You know, they slow it down. They speed it up a little bit. Uh, I mean, as you said, the riff sticks out. It opens the song. It, the, it's the first the drums track on the album. and kick in. It's the first track on the album. Um, Was it tuned to the, B? They're tuned to B, which yeah. um, typo. We didn't mention that in, you know, uh, in the prior part, but uh, typo is tuned to B as well. Uh, kind of a little bit of a backstory on Crowbar. Try not to segue too much from uh, the track we're talking about. Uh, Crowbar originally were called the Slugs because they wanted to play something slow, so they wanted to be slow like a slug. Um, where uh, Kirk had played in a lot of bands from New Orleans, which I'm sure we're going to touch on a ton of bands from New Orleans. Uh, because all, all got what, whatever is going on, whatever's in the water, whatever's in the crawfish, like <laughs> the, all of those guys have riffs. Um, you know. But that Coors Light is something else. Man. Coors Light flows heavy down there, man. Um, the, I drink Coors Light all day long. <laughs> with that's a band we should talk about. Too oh yeah, it's at COC, a certain man. point, absolutely. Um, but in Kirk was in a couple other bands, uh, I believe Shell Shock, Aftershock. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think prior to Aftershock, which was like a band that was a little almost like a thrash band, um, he listened to Carnivore. And he listened to Carnivore and he listened to the first typo record. And that impacted him to tune his guitar down to B. Um, it also reflected that the uh, low four strings on the guitar would reflect the low four strings on a five string bass as well. Uh, so that's kind of a tie in with, uh, you know, typo and crowbar kind of, um, uh, kind of cut from the same cloth. Each have their own sounds. Uh, as you touched on, Kirk is a riff guy. Uh, I, you know, he is, you can put on a crowbar record, you know, I'm sure there, some of the other guys have helped write, but obviously with, um, this lineup on this album anyway, uh, but Kirk has tenfold probably hands on every single thing. When you think of crowbar, you think of Kirk Winstein. Um, you know, he is, he is the riff guy in that band. Also a very recognizable voice. I mean, absolutely. Just a he, gravelly, uh, just like you're, it's coming from way down somewhere. <laughs> like the way he plays, the way he sings, uh, you know, totally recognizable as, right. you know, strictly hit him and his style that he brings to, to crowbar for sure. A band we've seen, I've seen them a couple times now. Uh, I think yeah. you and I saw them together in louisville there's a picture of us actually uh, that has circulated for years from the show we Um, should get that and somehow like i'm gonna use it it for this you'll see it on the on the cover for sure or in some capacity but 
Uh, yeah, that was a show I had just turned 21 <laughs> and this was going to be my first, uh, 20 or this was going to be my first show as like a, like a legal adult. And I was like, wow, I'm going to, you know, get to hang out with my buddies. I don't have to, you know, we're going to drive their car. So maybe I'll, I'll get to have like a, a beer at the show or whatever. And so you guys, you and our friend Swindle made me drive to Louisville <laughs> and like drink in the back of the car while I drove. Uh, well, you, yeah, you cleared through a, a case of Keystone. That's it. We got to the show, uh, had a great time. Um, I don't know who else they played with that night. Um, was I know there's was, ring, like a was ringworm on that show it was either ring because i i think i get a couple confused yeah there's, there's I know two shows I, we went to we saw I, I had god there as well at the i think it's like was it diamond uh mm-hmm. bill, pub and billiards yep. that's it um saw a handful of shows there but i've seen i hate god and crowbar there and i always get the the lineups kind of confused but i think ringworm was on that show that was definitely one of the shows that i saw ringworm yeah but but I, I I definitely don't know. But we we were kind of heading out, and he was in the back, and and we were like, oh, let's take a picture with Kirk. And um, we were waiting. And what does he say? He, he goes, "Come like, on in, boys. I'm dead sexy." <laughs> and then you're like towering over him. I'm just like maybe a few <laughs> inches taller than Kirk. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely a favorite po- photo of mine. Even though Swindle took it completely out of focus. <laughs> you're, you're in that cheer for beer shirt. Cheer for beer shirt. You're, yeah. you're in that cheer for beer shirt. Yeah, that was it's it's funny too that like we had planned to drink that Keystone on the way to that show for for that reason alone. Uh, Swindle and I had actually driven to to Louisville before and had seen Crowbar at another venue. Uh, I believe it was called the Phoenix Hill Tavern at okay. the time. Um, that is, you always allude to this, which it's very fitting. Uh, you've heard us tell the story about all we listened to on the ride back from that show was Hank Williams on repeat, the yeah. saddest music after one of the saddest <laughs> sludge bands. Well, um, it's always funny when like, you know, what was the, um, not to get too uh, far off topic, but yeah. the, uh, with the guar and like listening to, uh, Nebraska on the bus ride, like after oh, you've man. just, you've like heard, like your ears are still ringing from the show and then you just turn on something like Hank or, you yeah. know, like a like a Nebraska or something. That's, like. that's a great story we won't get into just from like hearing like Gore stories. That's a, a perfect depiction of like who those people were. Yeah. Um, but, but with, uh, with this, this was, track. This track is so good. Uh, well written, quick, straight to the point, has what. You know, breakdowns are kind of synonymous with a lot of different things in, in today's era. Just but this has slow. one of the the heaviest, if not most decimating breakdowns I've heard, even in a crowbar track. And it's essentially the the first riff slowed down and a couple notes swapped. It, it, it's all it is. And I mean, the video itself is kind of funny in its own right. Uh, they're just at a bar practicing, and I think it does close-ups of their faces, like out of sync, headbanging. Yeah, it's like they're walking into some place called Pat's Pub, just like <laughs> decked out in Saints jerseys and like just ripping shots and drinking Coors Light, probably. And then they're playing. You know, it cuts to them playing in an empty bar. Uh, it's the funniest. Like, yeah, we didn't. <laughs> it's definitely not like the typo video. <laughs> it's no. just like dudes watching the game. Yeah, that's exactly it. Just, <laughs> hey, man, you going to, are you going out tonight? Yeah. Well, the Saints are on. We're going to watch that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just yeah, who belly, bellied up on the bar, you know. Um, um, 
the the great thing about this lineup of the band was it had uh had Sammy Sammy Duay from uh, uh, Goat Whore and Acid Bath fame. Yep. In also, it. Uh, great, both great projects, great songs. Definitely yep. got riffs in both of those. Um, Sammy, Sammy Duay, I, I don't know how much influence he had on the writing of this album, but I, his vibe is definitely there all over it. Um, but, I mean, it's still definitely a Crowbar album. I want to bring up, a, obviously, this album is uh, Equilibrium mm. uh, that we're talking about. There is a there's a track that hits dead center of the album that is one of the saddest and one of the just most gut-riching songs I've ever heard. And it's mainly, um, it's mainly piano and some like background rain effects and Kirk singing. Yeah, it's called uh, to, Hutch, to Touch the Hand of God. If you want to talk about a band that is like varied in their sounds and their influences, because Kirk is Kirk is like a walking billboard of like classic rock and like traditional metal bands. I mean, the guy's got a back piece of the Thin Lizzy Chinatown album. Yeah, I think he's got. Man, I might be wrong on this. I think he's got like an accept tattoo on the side of his head. Um, <laughs> I know he's got like, like I used to watch like that metal show all the time. All and uh, yeah, he had oh. like he got the <laughs> that metal show tattoo. That poor guy. Um. Kirk, or, that's funny. Uh, Kirk <laughs> Winsting also has a tie-in with like, um, you know, uh, another guy I think you and I respect a lot is Jamie Josta from Hatebreed. Yeah. Um, has a tie-in with him. And I think Jamie Josta, which is a, a huge deal for a lot of us, like uh, older millennials like myself that grew up watching that second era of Headbangers Ball, mm-hmm. uh, was a huge, a huge deal and helped introduce us to a lot of music. But I think he also helped bring Crowbar back into the forefront because he managed him for so long. And, you know, Kirk did a project called Kingdom of Sorrow with uh, Jamie a couple times that actually Kenny Hickey, the guitar player from Typo Negative, had help in playing too. Connecting the dots. Con- connecting the dots right there, man. Um, and so he owes a lot. I'm sure there's a lot of credit there. I'm sure uh, I would not doubt that Jamie may have had a hand in like some Crowbar stuff here and there. I, um, yeah, I would agree with that. But you want to talk about like this song hits hard. This is the type of song you either listen to first thing in the morning with a cup of coffee. Uh, if you're listening to it, if you work out, that's your thing. You know, put this on. You're getting through it. This is also just a great band to do that with because uh, I know I digest a lot of the music I listen to while exercising. Uh, kind of gives me a, a chance to really clear my head and like focus in on that. And I can tell you this, I have worked out the crowbar umpteenth times, like working out. <laughs> and this album in particular is loaded with, it may not be my favorite crowbar record, but it is loaded with riffs that have literally made me stop and just, just cackle because they're so well written yeah. and they're so well done and they're that heavy. Where does this, uh, where do you think this ranges on the caveman scale? I'd give it, I'd give it an Uga for groove. <laughs> I'd give Great it another groove. I'd give it another I'd give it another Uga for like just the massive tone. Um I know he's like uh I know he's like a big Randall guy. Yep. Um he's used like a number of guitars over the years. Like I've seen him use like Gibson, uh ESP, uh, you know, he's it's really kind of all over the place. Yep. But 
um, you know, Sammy too, also big into, I think he has a signature model through ESP, obviously now, sure but yep. he's used a bunch of stuff over the years as well. Um, I would give this uh, definitely a, a one booga for the breakdown. Uh, obviously just the riff played slower, but it's so incredible. Uh, and then like another Uga for, I found a new man underneath. <laughs> the video so portion heavy. of that is just, just him close up, like, person his chin out. It's like, it's perfect. Um, it, this thing, Ugas and Boogas, man. Uh, it just, it hits hard. It's a very well written, well written track. Um, I have not, you know, I've never been disappointed with a crowbar single, even some of the later era stuff, like you've touched on, like, you know what you're getting. Uh, Kirk has such a great grasp of what can make a good song. Uh, kind of another tie-in with this is he has a really unique approach to doing vocals where the songs are written, for, like via pre-production, whatever, they go into the studio. I don't think he writes his lyrics till he hits the studio. Oh, so it's all very like off the cuff, very immediate. Um, you know, you and I have talked about, uh, we've made jokes throughout the years of like, you, you made it in uh, this episode about uh, Coors Light and Keystone Light. Uh, I think a lot of that kind of comes from this band and, and a couple of the other like kind of Southern heavy bands. If there is um, a picture of any, we've done this for years where if we look for, a, we, <laughs> if there's a picture and any of the, the players from New Orleans are in, I immediately search the, the photo for a Coors Light can or the, bottle. The werewolf killers? The werewolf killers. Yeah. Who, where did that come from? Oh, I was reading Cream Magazine and somebody mm-hmm. called it that. I'd never heard that before. I haven't um, either. The, uh, yeah, big big fans of the mountains. Uh, they got to be blue. Uh, but yeah, there's like we've we've tried to go for years. I know Pepper Keenan has like a bar down oh, there yeah, too. That's right with the, with the gator with the in the ceiling, full probably full of course like cans or something like that. It's yeah, I, that's a place that I've always wanted to go. I never really cared about Mardi Gras anything like that. I didn't sure. really want to go for that reason. I just wanted to go for the vibe. And I know you and I are def- would definitely go, and it would be all right. Take me to all the little local crap shows that mm-hmm. that where all these like sludge bands have played. And I know it's going to be like all you know. There's the joke in um, I think it's Metal of Headbangers Journey where like the guys from like the Swedish death metal bands go to Florida. They're like, oh, take us to the metal bar. And they're like, you want to go to the freaking goth bar? <laughs> like, okay, I mean that's what sure, we got. Yeah. It's Florida, man. Um, it's, um and they're. There, there are still bands, you know, oh. down that way that are still killing it. Obviously, Thou, I think go. they split a couple members in uh, New Orleans and Baton Rouge. Yeah, uh, but another band with just massive tone uh, and riffs. Uh, you know, definitely, definitely one of my favorites for sure. And and just the way that band kind of operates and uh, you know carries themselves uh, as a unit uh, in mean, all New aspects Orleans, of their band. Yep. New Orleans. Uh, Definitely has great heavy music. It's something about you. You touched on it earlier. Something about the groove. Something about the bounce. Uh, also, uh, Cro- any of Crowbar songs, it could easily be some sort of two-step at a show. Just how they're paced. Um, something about the groove down there. Something's in the water. Um, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's all the maybe it's all the beignets and like crawfish. Um, <laughs> I'm sure there's something to it, man. Um, the big thing about New Orleans is every band shares members. Everybody's been yeah. in everybody's band. Absolutely. Uh, they all know each other. 
Yeah, um, Sammy obviously was a member in this band uh, for all three of those records we mentioned. Yep. Oddfellows, Rest, Equilibrium, Sonic, Excess, in its purest uh, form. But then you have like Jimmy, Jimmy Bauer, Bauer was a, a member. Yeah. Um, you know, Todd Strange, who this was his last album before he came back in the band in like 2016, I read. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, obviously members of Down, a couple members of okay. Down. Which we didn't band. touch on, right? Right. Um, you know, that's that's another band that'll probably pop up at some point. That kind first of a record group. alone is... man. You have uh, a, a lifer tattoo? You have a freaking tattoo. I, I do have a lifer tattoo. Yeah. Uh, Nola is a, again, New Orleans, Louisiana, uh, the down Nola record, chock full of Kirk riffs. And Absolutely. what's great about that record is that it's got he and, uh, the singer slash guitar player from, uh, Corrosion Conformity, Pepper Keenan, two separate guitar tones. You can hear one on side, one on like, uh, the left and one on the right. You can discern who it is. A lot of Kirk wrote that. Kirk mm-hmm. wrote a lot of that record. And I don't think really gets fully credited for it. Um, you know, it definitely shows that, um, how well-rounded he is as a player. Uh, uh, I mean, interviews he's done and, and one, he's kind of a proponent for newer bands too. He likes yeah. a lot of newer bands. Um, you know, he has taken a lot of newer bands out, enjoyed it. You'll see him wear, I've seen him wearing like creeping death shirts. I've seen yeah. him wear, uh, I'm sure twitching tongue shirts, stuff like that. Um, he's the guy that is known for riffs. Um, I mean, you put on a new crowbar record, there are riffs all over it. Um, it's, I got nothing, nothing bad to say about this band. Uh, I think the big thing that I pulled from this band and I have since I was a kid was tune low, play slow. That's a the, words to live by. Absolutely. Um, yeah. If this is, this was a really great starting point for me, this song in particular, um, I think we've kind of said it a million times. It just really encapsulates what this band is about. So maybe start here. Maybe start on uh, Oddfellows Rest. Maybe start on the on the record after. Uh, Self titled's amazing, um, but definitely a band as far as you know what makes a riff. This band is you could look it up in the dictionary and just see the crowbar logo probably in you know, Florida Leaders. Yeah. All right. Well, that does it for this episode a couple riffs down uh we'll be back again next week with a couple more for you um if you have any suggestions you know let us know uh if there's a riff that you think we should talk about maybe reach out to us on uh our uh, vocal distortion page at distortion 891 uh, definitely looking forward to talking more all about we have so many more riffs that we want to get to for sure but uh this is another uh great batch right here <laughs>